Hello, I'm Donald Johannesson, and thanks for joining me on Speaking Out. He's a two-time winner of the Miles Franklin Award and now is crossing over into the digital world with an app that will change the reader's experience with traditional storytelling. Books, even picture books, are a bit limited in terms of sharing the sound and some of the vibrancy of uh, some of these ancient stories. And the good thing about something like an iPad app is you can have the sound there, you can have lots of pictures, you can have a backstory. And that's something that you can't get with just a a picture book. That's author Kim Scott. He's coming up, but first, here's a song from Troy Cassadaly. Take a step away from the daily grind. Come and get a little sunshine If you want to feel wild and free Take a walk in my country Lose a little time on an endless beach Only footprints behind you Cast your troubles in the deep blue sea Take a walk in my country Come away On eagles' wings Come away Where the dream time sings Brothers and sisters You and me Take a walk in my country Benefit plains, gentle voices will guide you. Get a little red dirt all over your feet and take a walk in my country. Come away on eagles' wings, come away where the dream time sings, brothers and sisters. Take a walk in my country Take a walk in my country 
That was Troy Castadale with Take a Walk in My Country. And Kerry Lee Harding will have a chat to Troy later on in the program. War is not just about soldiers. It's also about the families they leave behind and come back to. Retrospect is a landmark online project exploring the impact of war through Australia's involvement in the Afghanistan conflict. Veterans and their families share their stories, giving voice to those who've experienced war on the front line and the effects at home. Head behind the headlines with this unique audiovisual experience. abc.net.au slash retrospect. You're listening to Speaking Out on ABC Local Radio, Digital Radio and Radio Australia. Kim Scott is a two-time winner of the Miles Franklin Award and now is crossing over into the digital world with an app that will change the reader's experience with traditional storytelling. Mamang was a collaboration written by Kim Scott, Iris Woods, Roma Winmar and the Willimon Noongar Language and Stories Project. The app captures the spiritual connection between the sea and the Willimon Noongar people of Western Australia's south coast. Scott says the app will change the experience for the reader as they can select narration in either Noongar or English language. Kim Scott explains more about the book and the app. The book then is one of four that have come out of the Wheelerman Noongar Language and Stories uh, project, which is a community-based project concerned with language, Noongar language consolidation and revitalisation, for want of a better phrase. But the iPad app is a very recent development of that story. And I think it's particularly exciting because books, even picture books, are a bit limited in terms of sharing the sound and some of the vibrancy of uh, some of these ancient stories. And the good thing about something like an iPad app, as one among many other digital media, is you can have the sound there, you can have lots of pictures you can have a backstory and that's something that you can't get with just a, a picture book and I think it's a lot uh, seems to have a lot more appeal to younger generations I think I might be wrong in that but I noticed we set up a, a website associated with the project and I noticed lots of the uh, younger crew in our community were a lot more interested in the website than they were in the books um, so that's it's part of the way it's developed. We have a lot of people involved in putting these stories together. And it, with the books, we best we could convey that is an essay and a photo of a group of us at the back of the book. But in the app, as with a website, for instance, you can show uh, pictures of the workshops and give people a bit of an idea of the whole process. This is just a natural transition for you and even the people that you've been working with to go into digital media to deliver these sort of stories in this language as well. To tell you the truth, for me, it's not such a natural uh, transition because I'm, I'm quite new in the digital media area. I'm more of a dinosaur, having mainly worked as a novelist. But I feel you know, I like stories generally and I, and I like the, the idea of... Uh, carrying the energy of the storytelling situation into a wider audience. And so the digital media thing seems to be uh, really appropriate for that sort of thing. You access a bigger audience, I suspect. And as I was saying a moment ago, there's, you can carry a lot of the vibrancy of the story, particularly when with uh, Aboriginal languages that haven't, that are actually working in an alphabet that doesn't necessarily suit them all that well. It's really 
good to have the um, audio uh, available. And it also means in some, uh, perhaps in some family situation, youngsters can develop their literacy skills like sequencing as much as anything, let alone drawing meaning from uh, um, text without needing uh, a strong family tradition of literacy. And that, that really interests me. And Kim, where do you get the inspiration to write these books? Well, the inspiration comes uh, a lot from elders in our uh, community group. Uh, I did a book with uh, Hazel Brown, Artie Hazel Brown, several years ago, Kai Young and me. And in doing that book, I realised there was a lot of stuff she was giving me or sharing with me that we, uh, was really hard to share in a book like that. And that, a lot of that material was Noongar language material. She and her siblings and others of her generation are an inspiration. The stories themselves that they give us are an inspiration. There's inspiration in uh, the archives, you know, where, people, where stories have been uh, written down by linguists and others. And as part of this project, we track down the children or grandchildren of informants and involve them in the process of bringing these stories alive. So there's inspiration in all those um, sort of things, accessing and reconnecting with that deep heritage, building a sense of community through connecting people and those stories and bringing them alive again. And how important is that for you to, to do that, to connect in that way? That's really big time for me mm. uh, personally. And I think it is for the rest of our little community and, dare I say, it probably is for a lot of um, Aboriginal peoples, I think there's a real strong healing component in it, uh, dealing with some of, the, some of the damage inflicted by our shared history by reaching a little bit further back. And so look, a story like this one, Mama, is in itself really inspirational in terms of you have a, a single protagonist, a single hero, who trusts his heritage and what his father's told him to take great risks in the interest of uh, expanding his sense of the world, in uh, realising his potential, and travelling far and then orbiting back to his home community, uh, better able to make a contribution, enriched and better able to make a contribution. Uh, and I, I just just to get... Uh, I'm paraphrasing the story, obviously, and but at risk of reducing it in doing this. But to have a story like that, uh, that's so old, that's a creation story, and speaks so directly to, I think, uh, at least some of our contemporary needs, you know, to, to, to trust yourself, to trust your heritage, to take risks, expand your world, that's very relevant in an age, in a global age, in an age of globalisation yet it's still deeply rooted in a specific place. But how does it make you feel knowing that uh, people are connecting digitally with this story through an app? Oh, look, I think, I think it's great, and particularly because with an app we got photos of a lot of the people that have been involved and are generous and brave enough to be um, sharing it. So it's not only that a sense of a wider audience, but really crucially... It, it, it shows and focuses the people, n not just me, I really want to stress that, the other people 
us as a group at the centre of that sort of process, uh, talking about stories from our ancestral country, from our country, um, and being able to share that really widely. I, 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 like, I like that, and I like the opportunity of finding ways to do that um, increasingly and to involve more of us in that uh, process. It's it's a in this uh, the project that that's behind this app. I see this sort of paradox quite a lot in that many of us become stronger or become empowered through sharing, it's through giving, and especially if we can uh, sort of control that process. Uh, and I think that's really that the transform transformative possibilities in that storytelling situation writ large in a via a digital world yeah i find that that really interesting that's two-time winner of the miles franklin award kim scott the speaking out website is abc.net.au slash speaking out or just search for abc speaking out haywire young regional australians telling it like it is Taylor Lavelle Briggs, Mwilumba, New South Wales. My mother raised me to respect every single race. Didn't matter if you're white, Asian, African or Indian, she told me just to get along with everyone, and I do. I wish everyone was treated equal, but that's not always the case. Just the other day, my mother and I were checking into a motel in Lismore for the weekend. Now we've stayed at the same place about seven times and the receptionist has never been racist towards us until that night. You got a booking? She was acting like all Aboriginal people were criminals and would wreck everything. Who's paying for the breakages? Telling my mum and I that Aboriginal people mess things up when they stay at a motel. You're going to keep it clean? She asked us if... The Department of Housing was paying for us. Trouble at home, hey? And were we there because of domestic violence? No, we were not. We felt like telling her what we really thought, but decided to leave it for the next day. Mum didn't say a word about the incident, and I didn't think about it too much, but it made us both angry. You learn to bite your tongue and clench your fists when you're black. I see racism everywhere. I read it on Facebook, comments that Indigenous people have never owned this land and should spend their money on food rather than alcohol. It hurts, you know. I read a recent survey that 27% of Aboriginal people experience discrimination at least once every 12 months. I'm a part of that stat. I remember at the start of the school year when a girl wouldn't move her bag to free up the seat. When I sat on the edge of the seat, she just took her bag and moved away. It makes me feel like I don't belong that there's something wrong with me, but there isn't. I'm a proud Aboriginal woman from Bundjalung country in northern New South Wales. By the time I have children, I will teach them to be proud of who they are, their culture, and also to respect every single race. Haywire. 
Speaking out. Culture, culture, lifestyle, lifestyle, and current affairs. He has taken home more than 26 Golden Guitar Awards, four Arias, and nine Deadly Awards for his country music, and has sold more than half a million albums. Troy Casadale has described his latest album, Freedom Ride, as a labour of love, and Speaking Out's Kerry Lee Harding asked him where did the inspiration come from to write the song Freedom Ride. Well, Kerry Lee, um, I, I did a project when I was very, very young. I was about 13, 14, and um, it was actually on the Freedom Ride itself, the event, and we wanted to do something about um, Indigenous history, you know. There's enough uh, bits of history that have been thrown around, but it was an important little uh, groundbreaker. So as I was digging into all the facts and figures, I looked at my mum and I said to mum, so Nan and Pop couldn't vote until 1967, is that right? She said, yeah, that's right, because of the referendum. And straight away I became fascinated with the Freedom Ride. And, um, you know, I, I got in touch with Rachel Perkins. I said, look, I want to write this song. I need some information, probably a lot deeper than I'd ever dug when I was a kid. And I took it down to Paul Kelly and uh, we sat down with all these beautiful bits of literature all over the table and, and we started to write. And that's what we come up with. A beautiful song. What was it like oh, performing you. up there at Moree for the mob uh, for the 50th anniversary? Oh, look, it was amazing. I think out of all of it, the, the, the town that did raise the, the most awareness because of the pool incident was Moree. And the power of um, playing that song when we mentioned the town Moree and what happened, the people just cheered. I got a little bit on my phone. Every time I listen to it, <laughs> I get really shivery because it's just powerful, you know. Um, you know, Lowell Munro was doing our introductions there and, and I'm sure that, that, you know, the Freedom Ride itself would have left trouble in certain towns because it did stir people up. But what it did was uncover segregation that was happening out in the regions that no one knew about, you know. Troy, the name of your ninth solo studio album is, of course, Freedom Ride. And uh, the first single, Take a Walk in My Country, we've been playing on ABC Radio. What a deadly track that is. Uh, how did you come about writing this song? No, oh, look, thanks for that. It was, it was a chance to take people for a bit of a walk, I think, Kerry Leah. I, I t- see so many great places. And I really did want to just make a song where people feel like they're actually away with you on, on the road. And, and then when we made the film clip, we took it another level, I suppose. And we got the kids playing the little uh, Indigenous and non-Indigenous kid there and um, taking the little girl for a walk from the cityscape that she was sort of in and trapped in. And, and I, I just feel like that's what I need to do sometimes because I think, you know, we've got a beautiful looking country, but it's just a shame we don't get to see it like I do. And I'm lucky that I get a job that allows me to do it. Do you have a favourite place uh, to tour around Australia or uh, there must be so many? Oh, look, I've got a stack. I mean, other than going back down through Bunjalung, Goombanga country where my nan and pop come from, and my favourite place in the world is uh, Goombalanya. It's a place up there called Owen Pelly. That's the, the other name for it. And it's a, a special place. It's a place where I've, I've been many, many years since I was about 20 years old. I've taken my young fella there and they're just beautiful people and it's just a, a happy environment up there and I think if I get a chance next year, I'll be back up in the runoff to fish for some barramundi. And it's always good to head out bush, isn't it, and spend time with local mob, get on country and just feel that land and the spirit, eh? Look, even when it's not even my country, you know, I feel a part of something like a family and no matter whether you're walking down a a dusty old street in Fitzroy in Victoria or you're, you're, you're walking on that final uh, couple of foot towards the crossing at, up near uh, Jabiru and Pelly. I always feel like I belong. I don't know. There's a family connection that goes a lot deeper than just really being related, you know. You're a part of a, a big family and um, and I always feel wonderfully welcome everywhere we go. I find myself sometimes that's hard to explain to non-Indigenous people that connection that we have, which happens to a lot of us, really. Well, some of the best experiences I had were trying to... Um, enlightened non-Indigenous mates of mine at school. And um, 
I'd get them over. Uh, we'd play soccer together and football and stuff, and I'd get them over to have a feed at my nan's place, and and they'd sort of look around as if to say, well, this is just like our house, you know. And it was it was a great way to build understanding between the black and white community, really. And I and I I've sort of made that a bit of a goal in my songs since I started writing songs to to create understanding, Kerry, and and also to bring people together, you know. This album, Freedom Ride, was recorded late last year in Nashville. Why did you decide to go over to Nashville in the US of A and record this album? Well, a lot of the sounds that came out of Nashville, and you'll agree with this, you know, if you ever listened to much country music that came out of there, it was often warm and uh, friendly and it was almost like a cradle for me when I was a kid. I was an only child growing up, so when mum was working on the trains, I had a record player. And a lot of the a lot of the beautiful sounds that came out of that record player were made in that town. And every time I hear something that reminds me of an old George Jones song or a Merle Haggard song that was recorded there, it takes me to another place. And I think that sound that I was chasing on the last two records over there was that warm, comforting, blankety sound that, um, that I got to experience as a kid. And sometimes when you get to re- recreate that with Australian written songs, it puts a whole other you know, dimension on your music and I just felt like it was something I had to do. Bucket list thing, call it what you want. Um, it was something that I was really enlightened by. That's really deadly. Can you tell us about the other songs on the album, Troy? Yeah, there's just a lot of people's stories on there and um, I, I did a lot of collecting. I, I, Paul Kelly said, how do you class the collection, collecting of these songs? I said, it's like hunting and collecting. I said, I feel like I'm <laughs> back to my nomadic days of chasing a kangaroo or diving for a turtle. It felt like I was going into all these directions to mm. to try and you know bring ideas together. And there's a lot of people's stories. There's a young fellow that I met coming out of Caratha last year, young miner fly in, fly out. And he talked about the, the fights he'd have with his wife after the third or fourth day over there because he was missing his family, you know. And just different stories like that where you're stuck next to someone for four hours on a plane, you're going to have a yarn. And that's how, it, that's how it happened. And there's a lot of bits of me in each of these songs, but there's also a lot of other people's stories from every walk of life. And whether it be an uncomfortable dinner when I was sitting at a, at a girlfriend's parents' place one night and they knew I was from you know, the other side of town and didn't think too much of where I came from. And it was, it was pretty nerve-wracking to have the old man staring at, staring at me like he was. But, um, oh but that's, that's how it works out. And, and, and you know, I, I learned and became stronger from these sorts of experiences and I've written them into tunes too. You're happy with the finished product, of course, with Freedom Ride, your latest album release. Is it the sound uh, that you wanted to create in the beginning when you went in to record the album? Are you more than happy with what's come out as the final product? Yeah, probably probably more excited than I was when I was first walking into the studio because you have a bit of a picture in your head, Kerry, you know, and I, and I sort of felt like I was going to achieve certain parts of that, but sometimes you don't want to put too much expectation on things. But coming out the other end and I'm listening to just um, really rough mixes and stuff on the way home just to get an idea on what, out, what things to add to the, to the music as I was, you know, doing all the overdubs and... Mm. And I thought, no, it's bigger than I thought. It was. It just came back, you know, sounding nice and strong and warm, and that's exactly what I hoped for. But I, like I say, I didn't get my hopes up too big. Troy, you're an ambassador for Australian Hearing, of course. Can you tell me about your role at Australian Hearing and what you do there? Well, you know, as a, as an artist, you get offered so many ambassador roles for different things, and and I wanted to take on an ambassadorship that would make some small difference to people's lives, you know, and and something I could really get my teeth into and write a song for them, and and you know, growing up, we all had um, different in ear problems, and it was you know a resounding fact that a lot of Indigenous kids, you know, have middle ear infections that can cause deafness, and mm. and I just wanted to make sure that I was doing something to actually you know raise awareness of of, of these things that, are, that occur in our society as well, and 
So I thought, look, look, Australian hearing would be a perfect fit. My hearing is almost everything you've got as a musician too, and mm. that's something you have to cherish. And, and it goes right through from, you know, tiny kids with middle ear infections that have got to get grommets and things that have learning difficulties until they get those grommets, right through to return servicemen and elderly people who sort of feel like they're not a part of the community anymore because they can't hear stuff, you know. And my father-in-law for in particular, he was having trouble hearing the TV. He couldn't engage in conversations and stuff, and he said his life just took a, took a turn for the better when he got his hearing aids and he got his hearing checked, you know. And we just encourage people to go and get it checked to see what's, what status it's at, and hopefully you can get better quality of life, you know. You know, I, I think it's been something I've been able to follow through with too. And instead of doing like a, a, a 10 different sorts of ambassador things that, like, that don't really make it much of a difference, I'm able to concentrate on one and, you know, go throughout the country, do a certain amount of shows a year for everyone as well and um, raise awareness of, of hearing in Australia. You have a big tour happening, of course. Uh, you started in February 2015, going right through until November. You're having some time off in between some of those dates to spend time home at the farm with your family? Yeah, look, I, I said to my wife early in the piece when I started this music, obviously I was already into the music thing, but when we started having having little jargums, I said, we don't have jargums mm. if you don't want to be around them, you know. So I, I've got thankfully got a lovely manager who can really balance up that family and work thing, and, and um, it's been great having her on board too because her first thought is, okay, how much time does Troy get with Laurel and, and his kids this, this month? And we balance it like that. So And everyone knows, look, I take a lot of pride in family and community. It's, it's become a thing sometimes you lose track of when you're on the internet a lot. You think Facebook is your community, but it's, it's not the same as talking to someone over your fence, Kerry, you know. I'd just like to thank all your listeners uh, for continuing to support my music and country music in general. And, you know, I get I get afforded to do a job that I actually really love. And it's a rarity, I think, in anyone's life to say they really love their job. I mean, I'm, my guitar's near the door. I don't get sad. I get sad I'm leaving my family. But if it wasn't for people that buy records and, and request songs and stuff, you know, I wouldn't have a job. So I just want to say thank you to everyone. Just one more thing, of course. Your next studio album, your solo studio album, will be your 10th. A big one coming up, of course. Have you started looking at what sounds you'll create on that album? Yeah, I have already. I mean, and, and people are just popping up with these little dates for me saying, oh, you know, you've been recording for 25 years. <laughs> I think I feel old enough without people reminding me of that but I just think it's wonderful to still be um, you know reasonably in demand at this stage of my career too sometimes people's careers get real quiet and they just go and do something else but you know there's still um, people that want to come and have a look at us so when we go on tour it's wonderful we're getting out into the regions in Queensland this time that to places we haven't been to for 10 years Kerry Lee you know so you know Blackhall um, did a long reach show and places like that really interesting places to visit and we'll be taking this whole you know Freedom Ride album and show out there to those remote places. You've done so much throughout your career multi award winning artist what's left for you to do Troy Casadaly? Just get my kids into adulthood I think that's going to be the next big step for me and um, as much as my career is very very important you know I just want my kids to be well adjusted enough to walk into life um, with the tools they need and um, any parents listening out there that will know um, that that's an important part of our lives you know to make sure they're prepared for anything that, that gets thrown at them we can't save them from broken hearts and all that Kerry but we can give them good tools to get out there and be nice people you know Troy Cassadale talking about family and freedom ride his latest album release and the national tour and he was with Speaking Out's Kerry Lee Harding the album Freedom Ride is now through Liberation Music and for more information you can go to the website troycassadaily.com.au Speaking Out's On Track with Kerry Lee Harding.
On in New South Wales, at the Pilliga National Park on the 13th and the 16th of April is the Sandstone Caves Aboriginal Cultural Tour, a unique cultural tour exploring how times have changed for the local mob, the Gamilaroi people. You can join the walk with an experienced local Aboriginal discovery ranger in the Pilliga National Park. Bookings are essential and for more information you can phone the Pilliga Forest Discovery Centre on 02-6843-4011. At Maxville in New South Wales and part of National Youth Week in the Numbaka Shire is the Aboriginal Holiday Splash Programme with Learn to Swim classes running for five consecutive days starting on Monday the 13th of April and on at the YMCA Maxville Memorial Aquatic Centre, Nambakashire, New South Wales. In Broome, West Australia, a taste of Broome. It's a unique multi-arts performance and cuisine experience created around the distinctive local Indigenous culture within Broome's multicultural community. This event is on the 16th of April at Galari Media in Broome and showcases music, media, dance, food, arts, crafts, tradition and heritage. I'm Kerry Lee Harding and that's On Track. That's it for another week. You can find individual interviews at soundcloud.com slash Out or like us at facebook.com slash Out. Or check out their latest videos on our YouTube page. Just type in ABC Speaking Out. I'm Donald Johannesson and this has been Speaking Out on ABC Local Radio, Digital Radio and Radio Australia.